Hello Homeground Church. What an immense joy and privilege it is for me to share in this Women's Day service with you today. My name is Caitlin and while I don't know many of you personally, I feel like we are kindred spirits in some way. You see, I carry some of the Homeground DNA within me. And in many ways, I actually grew up in your community on your wonderful campus. It was in the hall that I began to understand the incredible gift of salvation given to me in Christ by grace through faith. It was in your incredibly beautiful chapel that I first began to kind of determine within myself this resolve to be a person marked by prayer. It was on a Friday night that I was equipped to be a young person in a modern world that loves and follows Jesus. It was in your car park that I ate many a KFC takeaway. And it was also in your car park where I met my husband, Brian. My mother-in-law runs the school on your property, Two Little Fishers, and my oldest son, Judah, was lucky enough to start out his schooling journey in that wonderful space. And so I carry you in my heart, in my DNA, in a special way, because you have been a gift to my life. John, Colleen, Richard, Cindy, Debbie and Barry, thank you so much for the amazing leadership that you and many others have given to the wonderful community of Homeground. My family has been immeasurably blessed by your faithful, committed ministry. Women, when I think of women, there is no limit to the nuance of who she is. The depths of her beauty cannot be searched and then conquered. We cannot quite understand her strength, resilience, compassion, or intuition. Woman, declared by God alongside man to be so holy and utterly good. Throughout history, woman has been a site of struggle a site of angst, tension, and confusion as women and society at large struggle and grapple with what it means to be a woman. When it comes to identity, there are two types of rhetoric that we can succumb to. The first tells us that in order to understand ourselves, in order to understand our identity, we must embark inward on a journey of self-discovery. We must uncover who it is that we are. But we know, according to scripture, that above all things, the heart is deceitful. And so the heart actually can't be trusted to tell us accurately and truthfully who we are before God. And so we cannot trust our own hearts as a reliable source of truth. The second rhetoric that we succumb to suggests that we must look towards culture. We must look towards an external framework determined by society to give us meaning and our identity. But the world, as we know, is completely schizophrenic and divided when it comes to this matter. There is no agreement or meeting of the mind or heart when it comes to matters of identity, value, and dignity. But when we engage the scriptures, what becomes very clear 
is that identity isn't something that's discovered. Rather, identity is something that is received from God. You see, God bestows and ascribes our identity to us. And so when it comes to understanding not only who we are as people, but specifically today, who we are as women, it's so important for us to look to God and to listen to what he tells us. In Genesis chapter 1, we read that profound and very humbling declaration by God to God. And he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And so he created them, man and woman, in the Imago Dei, in his image, according to his likeness. Augustine of Hippo, that great philosophical theologian, once declared that our hearts are restless until they rest in God. And you and me, all of us, to some degree, we are in search of this rest. Rest that is really just another way of saying that we're in search of an identity. A single story that gives us the assurance of who we are. The assurance that we are known, loved and named. The wonderful thing about being created in the Imago Dei, the very likeness of God, is that it also gives us purpose alongside an identity. It tells us who we are, what we are to do, and why we matter, both to God and the world at large. We receive our identity from God, and simultaneously we receive a story. We receive a script for our lives. And it is this story, the story of God that has and will continue to stretch uh, throughout eternity, that helps us make sense of who we are in him and how we engage the world around us and actually how the world is to engage us as well. Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 contain some of my favorite portions of scripture. If that's even possible, I don't know, because the more you sit in a scripture, the more it seems to burn in your heart. But I love this portion of scripture. They're remarkable. They have remarkable implications for our identity as people, as women, which culminates ultimately in Christ. According to Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, do you know who we are in him? This is what it tells us. In him, we are adopted. The pinnacle of God's grace isn't just justification, it's adoption, which is this irreversible honor that is given to us. And also one of the ways in which Jesus's power is activated in the world. In him, we are redeemed by his blood and in him we are forgiven of our sin. And to us, he makes known the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ. In him, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the down payment of our inheritance to come. In him, we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, knowledge of God. In him, we have hope and his immeasurable power, which is extended towards us. In him, 
we who were once dead have been brought and raised to life. In him we have been saved by grace. He has also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. This is God's gift. We as women are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus and purposed for good works, purposed by God ahead of time with specific things for us to do. In him, those of us that were once far away, marginalized, oppressed, without hope, have been brought and drawn near, for he is our peace and he tears down every dividing wall of hostility. In him, he creates us to be the new humanity. In him, we have access to the Father, that we might boldly approach him, his, his, his absolute incredible love. In him, we are no longer strangers. Rather, we are named members of God's household, which is built on Christ, who is the cornerstone. In him, in Christ, we are a holy temple to the Lord, being built together by Christ for God's dwelling in the Spirit. That's a remarkable list. That is a remarkable identity to receive in Christ. And so with this in mind, what is the chief end of woman? We are the Imago Dei, the very likeness, the very image of God called to live into the fullness of our redemptive potential and purposes in Christ. In him, we are a picture of life and fullness. And so what are we to do with this? Well, the Westminster Catechism frames it so beautifully. We are to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so let us, women, alongside men, the Imago Dei, the very likeness, bankrupt ourselves, give all of ourselves in devotion to Christ as we honor him, as we worship him and enjoy the very goodness of who he is, knowing who we are and the story for our lives. Let's take a moment to pray together. Father, today it is a joy and an honor to pause and to consider women. Women created in the Imago Day to reflect and mirror into the world your very likeness. Thank you that in Christ we receive the fullness of our redemptive plans and purposes which you predestined ahead of time for us. Thank you, God, that we are your workmanship. We ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that as women, we would live into and lean into the fullness of everything that you have created us to be. And we ask by the wisdom and leadership of your Holy Spirit that those around us would come alongside the gift of women and celebrate what she holds and represents of you out into the world. Amen.
So I want to say thank you to Caitlin and to all those amazing women for sharing with us those bits and pieces of their lives and of how God's word just connects with them. I want to say this, that I am genuinely overjoyed that we live in a country where we get to celebrate Women's Day. We actually, as a country, we've kind of made it an official thing that we do. That's awesome. Uh, it's, I'm so glad that we, that we get to talk about, about the role the women have played in our families, in our nation, in our history. That's really great that we get to celebrate women because they've done such an incredible job in everything. But I'm also glad that as a church, we don't just get to do this as a national thing, but we get to celebrate more, not just the, the physical role of women, but, but we get to celebrate the fact that women are the bearers of God's image in this world. What an immense privilege. And so I'm glad that we get to have a Women's Day. But I also have to confess that I'm, I'm really sad that we live in a country that needs a Women's Day. Uh, it, it, it pains me that, that because of history, because of ungodly attitudes, because of the circumstances that so many women find themselves in every single day of their lives, that we have to have a special day to recognize them. Rather than, than just living in a world where every day they are acknowledged, where every day they are honored, where every day they, they know they are loved and are treated with respect and equality and dignity because they are the image bearers of God. You know, as God's people, one of our privileges is to speak the truth, the truth about God's word. And, and, and thank you to Caitlin for just telling us how glorious it is to be a, a being made in the image of God. But Kate also reminded us that part of the reason we need to keep doing that is because of the way society is, because of the way women are treated, because of the daily lived experience of women in this world. And so church, I, I want to say that our job in this world isn't just to speak theological truth, and to say the theological things about women, or about anybody for that matter. But it is also because we're the body of Christ, it is our job to live those truths out. To bring God's kingdom here on earth. So that, so that the truth of God doesn't just remain some theoretical exercise. But it remains, it becomes something that people actually experience. Like Jesus did when he came to earth. He didn't simply come to declare a bunch of theological truth. He did that all the time. But he also came to live it out. That truth that all human beings are made in the image of God. And that all human beings are equal and have equal value. And are equally precious and loved by God is something Jesus had to keep reinforcing in his society. Because... Even though I'm sure many would have said that so, the truth is that society didn't reflect that. And so Jesus affirmed people, the people who often were less than, 
tax collectors, Gentiles, Samaritans, children, and yes, women. We see that as Jesus declares this truth that God has come for everybody and that God loves everybody and that all human beings are made in God's image. Jesus did that in a really practical way. He didn't just talk about it. He lived out the fact that everybody should be safe and loved and cared for and precious and treated as equal. The world we live in today makes me sad. You see, because our world does not yet reflect God's kingdom. Not when women are afraid of the simple act of walking to their car that are parked in the street. Where women feel they need to put their keys in their hands so in case somebody attacks them on the street. Our world does not yet reflect the kingdom of God when women are really physically taking a risk when they have to go jogging on their own. The kingdom of God has not yet come when women face verbal and social abuse and are ostracized because they report abuse by their bosses, by their colleagues, by their friends or by strangers. We don't yet live in a world that reflects God's kingdom. When the second biggest crime that police say they get involved in in our neighborhood is domestic violence. Then we know that women are not treated as equal image bearers of God. And we can't just talk about the theological truth. We have to live it out. We have to live it out like Jesus did. Church family, how I wish that all of these things that I've said about the struggles of women in our society today I've got from newspapers or from somewhere else, but I haven't. These are stories of women that I know. Some of them are in my family. Some of them are in our church. Some of them are in our neighborhood. I know them. This problem that we treat women as less than isn't a problem out there. It's a problem right here with us. And I don't want us just to be a people that theologically say it's wrong. I want us to be a people that, like Jesus, act as if it's wrong and seek to fix it in our everyday interactions. Like Jesus did when he met the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, someone he wasn't supposed to talk to. And yet he does. He treats her with love and respect and dignity. I want us to be like Jesus when the woman washed his feet with her tears and her hair. And when the Pharisees called him and her out, where he turns and he says, you are wrong. This woman loves me and I love her and you can't treat her like that. I want us to be like Jesus when the woman caught in adultery is brought to him. And he acts in love and justice towards her and treats her as somebody who's worth much. I want us to act like Jesus did towards those first women that were right there when he rose from the dead. Showing the whole world that yes, women 
carry the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ just like men do. Let's not just preach a theology that says all people are made equal in God's image. Let's live it out every day. Let's speak about it in our, in our daily interactions. And when we see somebody, somebody breaking down God's image in a woman, let's stop them and tell them that God loves women.